45% new footage. Hello, everybody. Isaac here with a brief programming note. Um, I have a little bit of a special bonus episode today for you all on Night Rule. I recorded with a very funny comedian, Mr. Keith Carey. So, you know, it comes in at about 20 minutes. That's a little uh, episode at, a little uh, episodito for all of you. So I hope you can enjoy. And uh, yeah, I've really been grateful for the uh, feedback so far. Keep it coming. Please follow us on Twitter at PodRule. Um, for today's intro, we'll be listening to a couple of tracks from Koshi Maharu from her fantastic album, Boy Soprano. Uh, so without further ado, uh, please enjoy the uh, mini show. Here's kind of are we uh, are we going? Yeah, we're going. I, I like okay, so I like to, I like to start it off serap- a surreptitiously to put uh, the guest at ill ease, and b yeah. to give that kind of faux. Oh, this is just a regular conversation lead in, so people yeah. just hear us bantering. But yeah, and Welcome what's funny to, is uh, that I was gonna say that that plan works in a normal world, but now we're on Zoom, so I see a big fucking recording in the top left corner. So you can't trick me with that. <laughs> Well, I mean, just so you know, this recording will be used uh, potentially in, in future litigation against you. I do need to say that for legal purposes. Yeah, I know. Tell Fair me, enough. Leave me a, yeah. No, he knows. Okay. I didn't um, even know there was another guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a legal department. Um, <laughs> so welcome everyone to uh, Night Rule. I'm uh, very pleased to be joined on mic today by comedian Keith Carey. You'll, you'd know him from uh, Lights Out with David Spade. He's a, a veteran roast battler. Yeah, you um, know me from lots of stuff that's been canceled on Comedy Central over the past several years. Yeah, you have a pretty prestigious career in that respect, I suppose. Yeah, any show no one watched that ran one season. I'm, uh, I'm the, the lord and master of those. Well, to be honest, you shouldn't, you shouldn't disparage yourself because that's where, that's where a lot of the best work is actually being done. You know, it's thwarted. It's, it's, it's destroyed. It's kind of stillborn, but the, there wow. is some great work being done in those dark corners, you know. I'll take that. That is, uh, that is a much more optimistic appraisal of my career than I'm going <laughs> to give myself. But I'll take, I, I love that even in being like positive, you're like, hey, don't worry. You're just like an abortion or whatever. Like you're stillborn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're like making miscarriages on basic cable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, how do people even find, like, let's just say, for example, you know, there's, there's, a, some, there's some freak accident, some weird mutation creatively, and a good show is actually produced. Like, how is wow. anyone even going to find it, you know? That's the thing. There's so much fucking stuff now. It's like, there's probably the best show ever made on television right now, and I don't know it exists because there's 900 streaming platforms I don't understand. And, like, it's, there's, no, uh, there's no kind of hub of media anymore. Everything is so expansive and niche that I think a lot of stuff gets lost. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a drama that could have us both just like weeping tears at like the, the you know, the sheer 
irony and beauty and tragedy of life, you know, the kind of life changing art that you just, you can't, you, you know, you just makes your life take a completely different trajectory, but it's not on CBS. Like we have no idea where it is. If right. only it was well, on CBS. And anytime I hear about a new thing, it's always like, you know, like, oh, you have to sign up for like Peacock Deluxe and type in your social security number to get into the GE mainframe to watch it. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't watched the fucking wire yet. Like I'm not yeah. taking extra steps for any of this catalog the the gold fillings that you possess as you sign up for disney plus you haven't seen the wire yet wow that's uh that's a shocking admission to be honest i know man i've watched it so much i've gone i've 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 i don't know my it's the the bloom has come off the rose a tiny bit for me in a weird way but i Uh still love it and david simon he's pretty audacious have you seen his other stuff like um you should check out a mini series if you want something a little more digestible like um generation kill is fucking great I've heard that's good. The problem I have with like a lot of, like I have the same problem with like Mad Men and a lot of other like prestige shows is it's like I miss them and then everyone just like tells me they're good and then a lot of the big moments get sort of ruined by cultural osmosis and then I never feel like kind of going back and seeing it because like I know all the big beats because I watch other people react to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they sort of start to collapse under the weight of everyone's commentary over the years right because like the best way to enjoy something is to have is to have your expectations lowered but for a lot of these things exactly pretty much goes the other way like i'm never gonna like the sopranos as much as people who like the sopranos want me to and that makes (laughs) all right well it's it's been nice having you on man you have a nice day it was nice to meet you all right take it easy (laughs) (laughs) i love the sopranos but i mean yeah that's, I mean, but there was an amazing actual SNL sketch from like way back in the day. It was like 1999 oh. or something when Sopranos was first hitting it big, where it was just this montage of just like clips from the Sopranos with, with voiceover and text, just all these, all these ridiculously over the top critical appraisals, you know? Oh. <laughs> the right. Sopranos is the greatest piece of art ever created in the history of man. And that's no I would let this. I would let this show fuck my wife. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment Weekly. Uh, so... You're you're based out of LA. Um, are you and you do like I'm sure up until the spring you were doing quite a bit of stand up. Like what's uh, what's is is the situation there like pretty bleak? Are you seeing like stand ups lined up in like Depression era food lines, getting ready to yeah. eat cat, cat food type thing? <laughs> that, that is getting people outside the comedy store sucking a dick for five minutes of stage time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's 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 weird out here because everything is still closed and it's like. The vaccine is coming, but we don't know how long that's going to take. I think that, uh, in general, stand-up will start to come back in the next couple of months. I think we're going to be kind of the last place to get it back uh, between us and New York. But, hey, man, um, you, guys, you guys are getting a whole, like, 30,000 vaccine doses for a state of, what, like, 50, 60, 70 million people? Like, you're, you're golden. Oh, we're so boned, dude. <laughs> Where's, uh, where there's going to be vaccines for all the people who are telling everyone not to go out while they secretly go out. That's a lot of what LA is. I mean, are we looking at a situation where in like four to five years, the only place where stand-up comedy is viable is like Joe Rogan's like Thunderdome style compound in Texas where like Alex Jones it does is kind like of high Pope or something? I'm seeing a lot of comics who are moving to Austin like during all this and it all seemed to start after the Joe Rogan thing. And I do genuinely think there's going to be a weird kind of like grapes of wrath. Like we heard there's comedy work out East, like people like comics going to Texas thinking Joe Rogan is going to help them. And I, I, if any of you are listening and thinking about doing that, don't, he's rich. He doesn't care about you. 
Oh my God. He wants Great to fucking smoke now. DMT with, uh, with uh, Elon Musk. He does not want to listen to you do uh, 10 minutes about how dating is weird. He wow. does not fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like what, like, and, and then even just like, cause you're involved in the world of television as well. Like what about, what about, I know people are starting to open up a little bit more production with like all kinds of rigid and new, like the new procedures for, for filming and stuff. Like are people, is, is that looking like equally bleak? Like, do you need, do you need us to send the, the hockey dog sled down there? Like start saving people in like a new underground railroad style mission? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what, like I'm not working currently. I was working until uh, uh, Lights Out got canceled this summer after, during the pandemic. But uh, it, I have seen some shows come back. I know a few people who are working who are kind of doing it remotely. I, uh, I think that everything's just going to feel kind of herky-jerk and slap together a little bit until you can actually just do it normally. Because the problem with all the restrictions is, like, you can only do so much around them, and then you have to either accept either you're going to make a thing that kind of sucks or you're going to get people sick. Like, the, it's really hard to produce television at the proper quality and not uh, not be evil about it. But uh, I mean, someone's going to think someone's going to figure it out. Like, I mean, there's people who are trying to figure this out, but. I, I think there's actually been, you know, there's definitely some examples of people um, having really creative kind of ideas coming out of it. But um, I mean, I'd settle for just not making people sick. Cause to be honest, like most, most of, most of the stuff out there is pretty, tra- is pretty much trash anyway. So, I mean, right. I think I, I've accepted that most of what I watch is going to be of a low quality already. So. Um. <laughs> I know I'm talking a lot of shit. I I don't even really watch anything like coming out currently. So like I'm not, I'm a, I'm a bad barometer of uh, the state of television, despite it being ostensibly my job. Oh, okay. Well, don't worry. No one will find out. No one listens to this. We're <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, I'm hiding these opinions in the least accessible place ever. A niche podcast. <laughs> For the highfalutin listener, don't don't forget. Um, yeah, the, the discerning loser. <laughs> do you think like like what do you think this vaccination program is going to look like like it's i mean even up here in canada vaccinating a country of you know 25 million like how like I, I, trying to imagine how america is going to roll out a vaccine for a population that size really boggles my imagination like what do you what do you imagine it ended up ending up looking like uh i think it's going to be kind of a shit show at first uh it, it's weird though because it's sort of uh it, there's two different worlds of problem happening in America where it's like, on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, are the rich going to jump in line? When are people going to have access to it? And then on the other hand is like, they're so worried about us not taking it because we're like paranoid about it. Like the, you know, it not like anti-vaxxers safe. and stuff. Yeah. Yes. There's so much sincere paranoia about that. They, I'm like, I'm reading the news a lot because I'm writing these uh, monologues that I'm doing on my social media and stuff. And it's like, Dr. Fauci just begging celebrities to get it on camera, just trying to constantly reassure everyone this is not poison. We're going to inject microchips in you or with or whatever. Um, yeah, so I, think I, think the, I think the microchips aren't until the spring, right? That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah they're going to roll. It's like the iPhone. They, they wait and get you hooked and then they roll out the update, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be kind of a mess for the first couple months. And then once once the initial hysteria of it kind of dies down, the infrastructure will kind of take over and it'll get uh, get out. I do think enough people will get it that it will work, but I also think it's going to be another, every every aspect of COVID and every part of like the, what should be a scientific discussion has become a political fight down here. 
Uh, so this will be yet another one. Indeed, indeed. Um, I'm as someone who's fo- who follows the news, and I think you know a lot of the best comedians out there are pretty cognizant of the of what's going out on in the world. Generally, at least they, I think they should be. Um, Obviously, you were following the election. I mean, how long ago was that? Now, where are we? Actually, one month out from the election? Or is I, it, I think that was. I think that was longer? nine years ago. It feels uh, like about a century, but I also lived about a century <coughs> over the course of that election. It was. It was the only election to last about a century long. But then there was. I wanted to ask you, <laughs> and this is kind of a random question, I know, but there was that one period of time on election night, where uh, for a bit it looked like, oh my God, Trump is actually going to get reelected. The numbers right. were the numbers are trending that way, and I, it's a time that I, I'm constantly or often looking back on and examining because like the levels of like dread and despondency um, were off the charts for me. And uh, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm wondering like what I'm wondering what, what election night was like for you as a, as a comedian and commentator. I mean, it was similar. It was uh, you know it wasn't, wasn't a ton of fun, but I had that I had that same. Uh, kind of feeling of my heart dropping out of my dick when I saw how much red there was on the map at first. Uh, Cause I remember the 2016 election, like I was hosting a comedy show when it happened. Uh, and it was bizarre. Cause they were telling me to like give live updates about it. Cause they were like, Oh, Hillary's going to win. So I had to just keep going up and bumming out a crowd who was having a worse and worse time while also trying to keep uh, the mood fun and flirty, uh, which didn't really work. Um, but watching this year, I, watching this year, it was just kind of, uh, I, I went numb halfway through the night, I felt like. Like, I just couldn't watch another fucking nerd at a video screen pointed a bunch of numbers. Like, well, it, I, it, yeah. it, be, <laughs> it well, became so hard to understand what, what I was supposed to take from, like, this, uh, this friendly gap-wearing uh, motherfucker going, like, well, 38% of this county and this region, I was like, just stop showing me math. I'm American. I don't want to learn shit. I, I really wish that I actually recorded what CNN was was putting on that night because it was it was some of the most baffling commentary I've like ever seen in my life. Like I don't know if they were just all Adderall to their t- up to the their tits or something, but like <laughs> Chris Cuomo was just like talking as though he'd just come from some kind of really crazy like self help seminar, and he was talking right. about re- reality and how you need to be open to see the reality even if it's not something you want is going on and around in circles and he kept on referencing this uh, this xtc song called senses working overtime and i think i was the only viewer out of the millions that like really got that reference and he kept on bringing it up and every time he brought it up the other people just stared at him like dude like what what are you on like and then yeah and then that literally john, sounds john like king somebody trying like, to call an election on mushrooms that's outstanding yeah and meanwhile like john king is just like starts like mumbling to himself like in between every sentence just like and we're getting more results soon from uh some of these other counties <laughs> and uh and we'll be watching that very closely uh back to you wolf <laughs> i think my favorite part of the election was the uh the steve kornacki thing uh, he's the guy, he's basically the MSNBC, the video, yeah. the video wall guy at MSNBC, uh, who like the internet fell in love with and is, uh, famously out and gay. And, and basically Twitter did what Twitter does when they, when they enjoy anything, which is immediately make it super sexual and aggressive. So it was like 400 tweets a minute from like every like female with a podcast in the world, just going like, sit on my face, Steve Kornacki. <laughs> And why why became, is Twitter so horny? I don't know how Twitter became the horniest platform. Like maybe when it, Tumblr got shut down. Uh, that makes sense. I think all the perverts have infiltrated the the uh, the water system. 
But what I fucking love is like once it became like a thing that kept happening and like we entered day three of the election, they kept it like two in the morning. They would br- they would have Steve Kornacki and the anchor would bring up like, well, you're kind of a sex symbol on Twitter. And he clearly was uncomfortable and didn't want to talk about it. And then the anchors would keep doubling down like, you don't get it, man. All these chicks want to fuck you. So it was just oh, watching a man be sexually harassed in real time while democracy was on fire. Well, hey, like, you know, we've made progress, you know, we can now sexually harass men in real time. Uh, yeah. Whereas before it was just other groups, you know, Th- those ladies are rubbing their tits on the glass ceiling, you know, and good for them. For all those people out there that maybe aren't on Twitter, don't join. It is it is a uh, it is the 12th circle of hell. I don't know how many circles there are in Dante. I'm pretty sure it wasn't even 12, but it's the 12th circle of hell. Do you know? Yeah, it's uh how many circles of hell there were i think there were 12 actually i think that's right okay nice nice so it's so i got it exactly right then well here's the thing i say that as somebody who obviously has never read the inferno but just learned enough passing facts about it to pretend he did because that's how i likewise likewise (laughs) yeah i just i just want to seem like i might have read a book at some point in my life but really if it doesn't have batman in it i probably haven't read it i'll start the wind down procedure now which is um, the shuttle bay doors open sound effect from Star Trek The Next Generation. I don't know if Keith, Mr. Keith Carey is aware of this cultural touchstone. I feel as though the sound Vegas. effects, all my, all my favorite characters, like my favorite characters in that show just constantly are giving me more and more to enjoy, you know, like the transporter sound effect, the phaser sound effect, the door. See, I was a Star Wars guy. I never really got super into Star Trek. Oh, we should talk about Mandalorian then. I, yeah, amazingly, I have not watched it, and I feel like an asshole, but I think uh, wow. my, my love of Star Wars has been so soured over, like, the past Oh, I wonder, I wonder why. How is that possible? <laughs> well, because I, I, I really like Last <laughs> Jedi. Dude, I liked Last uh, Jedi, and, like, I didn't oh, think really? it was the best movie ever made, but I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then it became uh, World War Three for fucking dorks. And then uh, episode nine came out, which I consider to be a cultural war crime. And now I think I'm uh, now I think I'm fucking bored of lightsabers. That's I think where I ended it up. Uh, see, that explains it because I only watched uh, the Force Awakens, uh-huh. I, and I think I was I wasn't even the movie hadn't even started before I was like I'm done with the movies because I was sitting in the theater, <clears> and literally about 35 minutes of of ads all featuring Star Wars branding, you know, right. everything from lipstick to anal beads. And after right. about the 15th minute of, adver- of Star Wars branded advertising, I said to myself, never again. I, this, <laughs> never, this could never happen again. Then the movie came on and I was like, eh. But the show is a surprise. I mean, I'm sure you know everyone says it's great. It's funny though, because it's very much like, lately it's just turned into a kind of, it's almost as though someone decided to make a video game, but instead of making it with software and taking 10 years, they're just making it with actors and cameras and costumes. Uh-huh. And it's basically structurally the exact same thing. Um, There's a lot of fetch quests and stuff, right? I mean, and like, even just like in the last episode, I was just like, this this looks and feels exactly like a level in like, you know, admittedly the best video game you ever played. But it makes me wonder if like, we're going to start to see that more because there's certainly, I mean, there's no doubt there's a generation of people that are being, that are immersed in in that media, which, you know, has, has made incredible strides narratively, so... But I don't. I don't know if the video video gameization of all art is is necessarily a good thing. <laughs> it's it's probably not great, but I mean, it does make sense. Like, I mean, that is you know that that is just has fundamentally changed how younger people engage with like, the concept of how a story is told and what's uh, 
what's engaging. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I think it's uh, weird, but I think we'll see how it, uh, how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So remind me again, just really quickly before we go, I'm so glad you had time to come on. It's been really nice to meet you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, this, this is fun. Um, I'm glad Mr. Dave Cyrus showed me, showed me, uh, passed me along your way. Like uh, I really, I really, I think comedians honestly make the best podcast guests because uh, I don't know, they're funny as opposed to the host. (laughs) Cut to the guy listening to the show right now. Who's like, this dude fucking sucks. (laughs) (laughs) To all those listeners out there, please like and subscribe, remind them where they can, uh, where they can find you on Twitter and whatnot. I mean, you've got Uh, got a lot of stuff on YouTube, a lot of your roast battles, which I really enjoyed by the way. Phenomenal. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, you can find those. I'm on all the uh, social media at Keith Tells Jokes. Uh, I have a couple stand-up albums on uh, iTunes, and uh, I have a podcast called This Is Not a Show, uh, hosted with Tom Goss. Uh, so if you want to find that on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, it's around. All right. Well, if you see your uh, your listen analytics from Canada go up by tens of percents, you know you know who to thank. Hell yeah. I, I would love for us to be a huge podcast in Canada and completely irrelevant in America. I want, want us to be the hockey of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, but then you could be super cool, right? It's very discerning. It's very, very, very... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lots of, lots of bearded men with anger issues like our <laughs> podcast. Perfect. <laughs>